Ignition Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people in the shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we are looking at the wellness community, which is a harmless bunch of wackos flogging motherhood statements and home remedies until we get to making largely unfounded claims regarding serious medical conditions at times when they should all just shut the fuck up. Mm. But will they? No. No. They just keep trolling, Mm. grifting, and creating false hope for people who are wide open to suggestion in a moment of extreme vulnerability and will pay anything for a treatment or a cure. Now, let me tell our listeners, uh, aromatherapy doesn't cure cancer. If it did, I would have been burning frankincense and oil of cloves, snorting the fumes up my left nostril for much of the last five years. Now, the Cancer Council of Australia released a survey uh, on Thursday, February 4, that was World Cancer Day, by the way, with some alarming results amid the headline figure. 150,000 Australians were diagnosed with cancer last year, while some 50,000 Australians died from it. But the survey also went on to describe how many Australians have fallen for the wellness trap. The survey of 1,000 Australians from 18 to over 76 years old, commissioned by the Cancer Council, showed one in five Australians said they were likely to have changed their behaviour based on something they read online, e.g. not from the mouth of a qualified medical health professional. And that included one in eight people who might do so according to a story they read on social media. Almost two-thirds of people believed your doggo could sniff out cancer and two in five thought cancer could be cured by alternative therapies that have no scientific backing. Fuck me dead, 40%. And the survey also found that nearly half of respondents believe sunscreen contained chemicals that were bad for you and 8% didn't realise you didn't need to burn to get skin cancer. I wonder where that shit came from, Joel. Uh, maybe our mate Pete Evans, Jack? Well, Pete, Pete fucking Evans is right on top of the list of clowns who have been bullshitting gullible listeners, especially in relation to skin cancer prevention and cancer treatments in general. But he's not the only one, and we're going to get right up him and provide some welcome sage advice should you or anyone you love get the dreaded diagnosis. Oh, yeah, rather not. Now, we're also going to discuss how large sections of the wellness community have gone batshit crazy over the COVID pandemic, grifting people into believing that either COVID doesn't exist or is some fucking hoax or is no worse than the common cold and that can be treated with the shit these con artists sell. Oh, what a fucking coincidence. Which, yes, does actually involve a form of drinkable bleach. Miracle mineral solution. It's fucking embarrassing. So... And the thing is, is that some of these fuckwits sit in positions of power and influence that form public health policy. Yes, I'm talking about you, Craig fucking Keller, you absolute scumbag. And the supposed adults in the room, like fucking Gomo, are doing fuck all about it. Oh, yeah, I went and I talked to him in my office. They need to be told to go and sit in the corner of the party room with their little dunce hats on and shut the fuck up. I can tell you're angry, Joel, and so am I, but we have to wait and repress that anger. Push it down further and further, stick corks up our asses so it won't seep out until we get get to a deeper dive where we can gingerly remove our stoppers and properly explode. I'm fucking keen. But now it's time for the Conditioner Release Program's Weekly News. Now on 
Monday, Collingwood Footy Club president almost for life, Eddie Maguire, held the worst press conference I've seen since Prince Andrew told the BBC he went out for pizza instead of being a predatory pedophile. <laughs> In the hastily convened press, a report that Maguire and his board had been sitting on since December had been leaked to the media from someone else at the club. A report that detailed a long and ugly racist culture within the club was a, and I quote, Proud and historic moment for Collingwood, according to Maguire. The report had been commissioned by the club after a former premiership player, Heretia Lumumba, Brazilian-born with a Congolese father, had been subject to repeated acts of casual racism, including that his nickname at the club was Chimp, which is about as racist as it Mm -hmm. gets. There is a long and unhappy story attached to this. Lumumba's claims have been routinely dismissed by the club, and if that was not bad enough, Lumumba was cast by the senior staff at the club, including coach Nathan Buckley, as a person battling mental health problems. Now, Lumumba refused to engage with the report's authors, which is fair enough given the treatment he had suffered, but the report did find his claims proven. Yeah, the report found that a racist culture had thrived in the club for years and no one in leadership positions had chosen to do anything about it. And of course... Maguire's no stranger to racist controversies. It's in his fucking DNA. When in 2016, he referred to Adam Goods as an ape on breakfast radio. Fucking classy, huh? So later, this is good, Eddie Maguire claimed he made the appalling remark while on painkillers for an injured knee. Ah, uh, yes. The old, uh, this Oxycontin is making me racist <laughs> argument. Uh, enter a lot of old white men who came forward to tell us there was no one less racist than Eddie and he skated away that time. Yeah. The calls yeah. for Maguire's resignation in, in the wake of the shitful press conference went unheeded too, with another bunch of old white men coming forward to defend him. Yep, Eddie should go and really should have gone 10 years ago because He's a fucking asshole. But there were others in the media who came out of this disgracefully as well. There's other scalps. Uh, when Lumumba first made his claims several years ago, they were examined on Channel 10's The Project by Walid Ali and Peter Hellier. Despite abundant evidence to the contrary, Ali and Hellier instead chose to believe the story the club was putting about. No racism here, good old Collingwood, etc. Specifically, Hellier and Ali found no evidence of Lumumba's appalling nickname being used despite numerous players subsequently coming forward to confirm it. Mm-hmm. Worse, in interview with Lumumba, Ali practically accused him of fabricating his story, at least in uh... part. So what's the difference between Maguire and Ali? At least Maguire has apologised. Nothing but crickets from Waleed Ali, the self-appointed guardian of what's good and right in Australia. Hellier offered Lumumba a backhanded, wholly inadequate apology on Twitter, and that was it. Waleed, you owe Heretia Lumumba an abject, sincere apology. No questions asked or qualifications offered on air at the project in front of your audience, but not before the rest of us start thinking more deeply at what kind of half-assed journalism you and a stand-up comedian were attempting in covering a complex story about racism in sport. Now, Joel, how goes the Dominion voting machine lawsuits? Oh, yeah. So we have previously reported on the staggering figure of $1.3 billion, which Dominion Voting Systems Incorporated is seeking from various right-wing lunatics, including Rudy Giuliani, Ah, Sidney Powell, Eldon Wood, Mm. and to a very lesser extent, Melissa Carone, a ah. lunatic that appeared drunk while testifying in uh, Michigan on voter fraud claims. Oh, I, ha- I have to ask you, Joel, just exactly uh, how is Melissa Carone going to come up with $1.3 billion? Um, I mean, really, it does paint a picture, a really grim picture of some... It's- 
yeah. of, of, of someone coming and taking her trailer park or, or tra- yes. her trailer away from the trailer park. Her teddy bear collection being sold on eBay. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe she can write a book and uh, and do various book signings. It's not going to tote up. It's not going to tote up to one point three billion, no matter which no. way you cut it. Is it? No, no she's in no. a lot of trial, a lot of strife. It'll be sort of like you know when when they get sued and at the end of the day the, the 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 you know the damages are awarded and it's like when you go out to dinner with a friend that you know is not doing well and you're like oh just put ten dollars in mate you know it's all right don't worry about it I'll, I'll, I've got the rest yeah I'll, I'll, no I'll, one's got the rest you just pay the tip I'll, I'll pay for the meal yeah yeah you just just pay the tip and I'll do a runner so <laughs> Dominion uh, pursuing further lawsuits here and it would appear that a billion or so might not cover the spread so of course they need to bring in some new defendants to share that you know the aforementioned bill mm. these lawsuits are pivotal for reasons separate to just the dominion business model because disinformation and misinformation campaigns have defined the political era we are in and not fucking enjoying we have slipped into a post-truth era very fucking comfortably and bringing consequence to this kind of intentional political misdirection is all but guaranteed to slow down the terrifyingly confident spread of complete lies of political gain because like sure politicians lie it's a trope we've heard it all before but it's just gone too damn far. This is a whole new level of bullshit and a shake-up is needed and this actually might be it. Well, Dominion sent letters to social platforms requesting that they preserve posts from certain people. This is basically an all-star cast of soon-to-be-broke influencer types and Fox News presenters. It's a list of names I certainly would not want to be on, Joe. Yeah, these are the people that reeled off a whole bunch of bullshit in the immediate wake of the election and so on and so forth and basically poured petrol on this whole stop the steal hysteria. I mean, standout names on the list for me were Ron and Jim Watkins, who seemed to yes. actually get away with facilitating Q-drops for all this time. And the idea that they could just casually destroy democracy as we know it and then just carry on pig farming is just <laughs> absurd. I like... As usual, it takes a scorned corporation for anything to be done. Yes. But like, you know, after all the Q-drops had stopped, Ron was this bullshit half-ass expert and his extensive misinformation campaign about Dominion voting systems on OANN after reading the manual and telling everyone about how he read the manual is not going to do him any favours in the courtroom. He basically ticked all the libel boxes. I was amazed he wasn't getting done for it, but it turns out they were just busy filling out the paperwork. Uh But also on this list, is Rebel News Online. Uh-oh. Rebel News are the Canadian outfit funded by some creepy billionaire that are paying Avi Yemeni to be an annoying fuckwit. And they're also giving the, you know, the great replacement theory advocate Lauren Southern money too. So mm. really good people. I look forward to Rebel News going bankrupt as they are an alt-right hate chamber that should be shot into the sun. Now, Donald J. Trump himself is on the list, which comes as no surprise. And, and Dominion have asked YouTube to preserve any banned content from people like Trump law Lawyer Jenna Ellis, Fox News pundits Lou Dobbs and Sean Hannity, and Fox News themselves, Cupil Digital Soldier and Complete Lunatic General Michael Flynn. Also on the chopping block is the Epoch Times, a bullshit factory which is funded by a Chinese billionaire from the Falun Gong cult who has established a media empire to get right on the ass of the CCP by keeping Trump in power. Yeah, he's got a real chip on his shoulder. And it looks like there's going to be a lot of blood in the streets. And it's about time because they really flapped their gums and it seemed to zero consequence. And these people must be absolutely shitting themselves because they are guilty as fuck. Mm. Mm. Lou Dobbs' show on Fox News 
has been cancelled a day after Smartmatic sent their love letter. Don't let the door hit you on the fucking way out, you old prick. <laughs> Smartmatic, another voting machine company that is primarily operating in California, has decided that has decided there's some seriously easy money in nailing these idiots for libel and has put their subpoenas in the ring for a bit of dough. They are going to have a go at Fox News, Sydney and Rudy, and it looks like an absolute slam dunk. And to be fair, the suit actually seems fair enough. The company has incurred severe losses as a result of a vicious misinformation campaign fueled by a narcissistic president and the urge for cable news networks to be more and more pilled to suit their more and more lunatic clientele. But their business is basically fucked up to this. Smartmatic didn't even operate in contentious states. They operated in California and only complete fucking pilled lunatics think that Trump won California. But also, apparently... Death threats have been thrown around the place, including aimed at an executive's 14-year-old son. Uh Now, let's not forget, QAnon is a peaceful, non-violent political movement. But every now and then, even a peaceful, non-violent political movement must ask for the head of innocent children. Uh, Weren't they in the business of saving children, Joel? Isn't that the whole point of QAnon? Apparently not this one. Fuck. (laughs) They they want to kill him. (laughs) Well, the founder of Smartmatic is Venezuelan and did indeed implement some electronic voting systems for Chavez in Venezuela. That part is true. The bit about how Chavez has posthumously rigged the election, well, that crossed the line and it appears to be a fairly expensive line to cross. Yeah, they're going to get fucking raked. And in more American news, our favourite pilled congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is copying more shit from her colleagues and appears to be quite happy about it, (laughs) which is like, I mean, I think she's putting it on, but it's it's actually really annoying. She's so fucking smug. Anyway. Democrats in the House and Senate voted to remove her from committees on education and budget, which really makes you wonder why this absolute spanner (laughs) was on a committee about education in the first place. Bit troubling, yes. What? So, yeah, this is probably a positive move for all school children everywhere. Yeah, the world Upon hearing this, oh, fucking A. Upon hearing this, she said that she'd been freed, as she will now have a lot of spare time, and the Democrats were a bunch of morons for giving her said spare time, which may actually turn out to be true, Mm. because she's now going to have all the time in the world to be an annoying fucking pest with her fucking assault rifles and her cupid nonsense. But it's absolutely crucial this Fruit Loop is nowhere near the actual corridors of power. And this is these committees are where the legislation's actually formed. Um, yeah, and it was in that place, in the House, where good old MTG denounced her former beliefs, which include her claim that the California wildfires were started by space lasers operated by Jewish Democrats. Yeah, I mean, and that's obviously true. It's ridiculous she had to retract that. But <laughs> her, when she, she, she went over the line... When she started harassing David Hogg Mm. in public, in person, Mm. the Parkland school shooting survivor, who she screamed at that he was a crisis actor and called him Little Hitler on social media. I mean, look, that's where I draw the line. Jewish space lasers, all (laughs) entirely likely, but that is ridiculous. So now she thinks the school shooting did actually happen. How fucking noble. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Round of applause. So, yeah, I don't believe this for a second. I think she's still pilled. She just had to, you know, make somebody mere culpa, but. She is also, this is great, in this amazing moment that should never have been necessary, like words that should never have been uttered, <laughs> she said that the 9-11 attacks absolutely happened, like as mm. if that was ever in question. I mean, even if you think it's an inside job, like the planes did hit the fucking buildings. It wasn't done in a <laughs> studio. So for this 
piss-weak so-called apology where she basically just said the shit she was required to say by mm. her colleagues. She received a fucking standing ovation from Republicans. And this basically shows that as long as she pretends to toe the line, they have her back. And this is just a terrifying glimpse into the future of the Republican Party. Well, she is anti-mask and has rejoiced in breathing heavily on her unwitting colleagues as a general practice, but now seems to really like masks because she can write shitty right-wing political messages on them. Trump won, end abortion, reopen America, and the right-wing classics of free speech and censored all have been emblazoned on her various masks. You aren't censored, you fucking idiot. You literally have staff that manage your media presence. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Green has used ominous imagery in her campaign on social media of her with an assault rifle standing next to the superimposed faces of Democratic representatives Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with the byline of defeat the Democrats. Mm. And the GOP seems completely okay with this. And this is because they are opportunistic pieces of shit. And that leads us tidally into our next segment, a segment that looks at the kind of abject human stupidity many others in the media would censoriously tell you to avoid, possibly because they think this type of dumb might actually be contagious. It's the Trump punters Betfair fraud group. Hey. So our Betfair Trump punters have found hope. And while it was felt that all was lost, a gentle pillow salesman and former crackhead named Mike Liddell released a self-described docu-movie, docu-movie with the very subtle title of Absolute Proof. Absolute Proof, all in caps. Finally, we have Absolute Proof that the election was rigged. And in a show of irrational confidence and a complete disregard for impending lawsuits of billions of dollars, the My Pillow guy has released a two-hour film on the internet of him talking to a bunch of people about the claims of electoral fraud in the last general election. We all know about them. And he starts with a whole bunch of random numbers that if they were true, they might be concerning, but of course they're not. And they're hoping this cuts through and vitiates the election of Joe Biden. Now, vitiate is the Mm. word they really like to use at the moment because it comes from contract law and it sounds really fancy because they like to sound clever. You know, Mm. it makes up for the fact they're Mm. fucking morons who put money on Trump after the votes were counted. I'm vitiating right now, Joe. Oh, mate, I think everything is vitiated at this point. Yeah, (laughs) that that should be the new word for cancelled. You are vitiated. It's uh, it's got a real ring to it. So Mike Liddell is really taking one for the team here and not without dragging his mates down with him. One notable guest is friend of the podcast, Melissa Carone, yeah, who is. has already received a decease and desist letter from Dominion <laughs> and has now said on record that a part owner, this is like in the movie, a part owner of Dominion Voting Systems essentially participated in electoral fraud by stopping her from reporting anomalies in the vote counting. Uh, it's really a boneheaded shit. So it's a strong claim and it's likely to make that cease and desist letter into a real subpoena and she's going to wind up in the same courtroom as her old mate Rudy Giuliani as they absolutely rinse her for talking this kind of complete shit. Yeah, of course this so-called docu-movie is a bunch of the same old made-up nonsense rehashed in a flashy format with a sales pitch. And this desperate attempt to cling to hope may well prove to be a bad idea now that Dominion and Smartmatic are throwing out subpoenas left, right and centre. The claims in this video are the exact reasons why Dominion and Smartmatic are looking to sue various people. This is a doubling down of mammoth proportions and most unwise. Yeah, it really is. Like this is just like a condensed two-hour like convenient package of the reasons why they're taking legal action. It's fucking bent. So – 
basically, this documentary has given the Betfair guys a massive new reason to keep these bet slips intact. They, they really think this is going to convince everyone that they, you know, Joe Biden was this never it. elected, this and it's it. it. You know, this and we did it, win California. We told you, <laughs> oh, fuck off. So, is this stupid? Yes. Are they delaying the inevitable moment of selling their assets to cover this boneheaded punt? Yes. But will they sleep well for the first time in weeks, maybe months? Yeah, they might, which is nice. And while absolute proof has given (laughs) Trump a chance of becoming the president of the defunct corporation of the United States of America, many are still clinging to the idea that Trump will also be made the president of the republic on March the 4th. March 4th. We've talked about this. This theory still sucks and has no basis in reality. We kind of have to wait to see how they react to watching that day come and go and nothing happens. I'm speculating... They'll be watching absolute proof on repeat <laughs> while eating Xanax like lollies to get through it. And despite all this, they still think Trump is in the West Wing. And yeah. the theory that still bounces around is that the latest breath of hope is that you cannot impeach a former president. Now, this is the idea that they couldn't be bringing this forward unless Trump was still in the White House. This is just not fucking true. There is an argument being played out similarly, which is that Republicans are saying that maybe you can't do this and there's all sorts of stuff. Mitch McConnell just refused to table it before. They had plenty of time. So this is just complete bullshit. But essentially, anything that will invalidate Joe Biden's presidency, or vitiate it, as they would say, is is good enough for them. But I don't think they're really arguing that the impeachment is legitimate due to the fact that Trump is still president because that's a bridge too far for basically anyone except for our Betfair Trump punter makes who will just make up fucking anything to, you know, support their case. (laughs) In desperation, they are trying to find out if a precedent was set by bookies when Ben Johnson was stripped of his gold medal in the Seoul Olympics in 1998. 1988, I should say, and it was awarded to second place uh, Carl Lewis because Johnson was found to be on the juice. And quite similar to using the word vitiate, this shows a distinct lack of understanding for what precedent means in a courtroom. But if does. these people do anything, they cling to hope. If all of this fails, they still have the class action. That relies on the idea that Betfair settled the wages before the result was out. This is delusional, of course, and relies on the idea that the point where the Electoral College met was invalid due to legal challenges. These are the legal challenges that people called the Kraken with a straight face, if you remember. Yeah, I don't hold mm-hmm. much hope uh, for these class actions or that particular class action. No, it's not looking good. So basically, in a bit of a twist, in this segment, we have been focusing heavily on the losers, the idiots that bet on Trump well after the votes were counted and even after states had certified. And Trump kept telling him that he was going to win and they kept believing. And you know, I can see the logic there, I suppose. So now we look at the winners. You see, the bookies run the game on most bets, but a lot of these wages were done on market exchanges where they just take a cut. So there's Betfair Exchange, FTX, Predicted. They were all just simply taking a little bit of the action of bringing two people, making sure. a wager together. Yep. Two people, one of them with a lot of money looking for bank interest odds, some easy money, and another, a red-pilled idiot who's about to lose his house. <laughs> so a friend of the podcast, Phil Whitehead, sent us a tweet from Harala Bob, uh, which is this, this sort of like money market gambling guy on Twitter, which <laughs> celebrated lifting some very easy money off these rubes. And I quote, America truly is the land of opportunity. <laughs> After years and years of working extremely hard to grind out every edge betting on sports, one of my biggest wins ever came by betting on the outcome of the US election in caps, 
after the votes were counted. I love America. (laughs) (laughs) And so he should. And this tweet really hurts to read as it truly outlines how pathetic these wages were. He's a guy that likes to play money markets that saw fools who were basically begging to be parted from their money, and he did his American duty by easing them of their cash in no uncertain terms. But we can't stand around all day pointing and laughing at the Trump hunters because we have to wipe the schadenfreude from our faces and get to a segment where we drive the big trucks down four kilometres under the earth's surface, grab our mattocks and shovels and start digging. It's the conditional release programs. Deeper dive. Yes, we heard at the front of the program uh the Cancer Council of Australia had done this survey and one of the results that really caught my eye was that four out of ten Australians believe that cancer be, can be cured by alternate remedies, you know, completely unproven remedies. And it really strikes me as that, you know, that the, that the wellness community is, is basically almost out of control. Uh, in 2015, I was diagnosed with cancer of the bladder. Uh, that was a bit of a blow. Uh, and I had to undergo treatment. There's various processes for that particular cancer that you go through. You wouldn't really call them chemotherapy, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of therapy. It's called a BCG therapy that is injected. Everything goes through the penis. My God. And, 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 and so it's not injected, but it's, it's catheterized into the bladder. It's, uh, uh, it's invasive. It's, yeah, well, it is. It, it is. <laughs> you get you get used to it after a while. But 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 the the the, the first response is to what's called a BCG treatment, which is uh, uh, attenuated bovine uh, tuberculosis is oh, actually yeah, pumped into right. your pumped into yeah. your bladder, and uh, and then you sort of you're like a rotisserie chicken. You have to roll around with a, a bladder full of this oh. highly toxic stuff in your bladder, and then you roll around, and then and then you pass it after that. And uh, it, it's hoped that that will work. Um, look, as an aside, that it came up that a lot of people who had experienced tuberculosis uh, and survived it had developed uh, high rates of um, not immunity, but had very low rates of, of cancer, particularly cancer of the bladder. And and that was almost a hundred years ago when this was discovered. So this is where BCG came from, and it works in about two thirds of the case. It cut two thirds of cases. It kills. That's pretty good. Cancer cells and and uh, uh, and various tumours that might be in the bladder. And they're all graded. I had grade threes. And then some low grades as well, <clears throat> and that sounds good. Low grades sound good, but they're actually almost impossible to remove um, by um, uh, by uh, a fairly easy, fairly simple surgery, uh, and it causes a problem because while those low cancers are there, they can easily become high grade. Anyway, the BCG treatments, and I had, I think I had about ten or twelve of these. Uh, did not work. Um, I was scanned up afterwards, and then. Uh, we went on to a different level. I entered into a clinical trial of a drug um, and uh, and I thought that might have uh, given me uh, some benefit in order to, I was desperate to avoid surgery. And um, and so I went along with that, but uh, only, uh, I had two doses of a drug uh, called Keytruda, which is uh, a um, Immunologic, uh, um, immunological drug. It's designed to supercharge the immune system, 
and it has been incredibly successful in some cases, not very many, around about 20% effectiveness, I think, when I was doing the trial. But anyway, it didn't work for me, so I, I uh, then you could just go to remove the cancer, uh, not by not by chemicals, you do it by, um, by surgery, and that yeah. means removal of the bladder, construction of a neobladder which sits inside it's taken from the from the bottom of the colon and then uh and and so take my bladder out and everything sort of works normally um but then i was re-diagnosed that was in 2018 when i had the surgery it wasn't very pleasant there were lots of uh complications um but uh in 20 uh, 2020 i i was was re-diagnosed late in, in in uh 2019 and went through a surgical procedure again in 2020, which seems to have been fairly uh, effective. Um, it yeah. may, may well have been a follow-up. Uh, and uh, so I had uh, uh, a urethrectomy, actually, uh, which is the removal of the urethra from the body. And so now I uh, I now I have uh, a stoma uh, and I catheterise when I, I – that is, I stick a catheterise into my neobladder – uh, when I want to uh, release my bladder, and I have to do that every three hours. <laughs> I, on on the dot, oh, pretty much, yeah. Otherwise, you actually explode. You actually, <laughs> I did have one moment not long after the second surgery where I did have that explosion, and that's um, not good. it's just one of those things where fluid will get to a point where it can get out, and that's what it did. So oh, I was no. um, oh, that was the last time I ever urinated out of my penis. Uh, anyway so that's that's the story i went through and it is pretty it is pretty grim Uh, yeah in in all these treatments you know i was i was treated and have been and will be at westmead um in uh in in the west of sydney's vast hospital and the princess mary cancer center there and walking in there is a when you're just having your regular treatments or your scan updates and diagnoses checks and all that sort of stuff it can be a really um um, uh, it's not so much an inspirational sort of procedure, but you're seeing a lot of people sitting down in their chairs and all receiving their chemo. Now, I had BCG, I didn't have chemo, and I didn't have, you know, radio or anything like that, touch wood yeah. so far. But there, yeah. there are a lot of people in there and and they've experienced and they're experiencing... Um, uh, it wouldn't be fun. Uh, it's it's not a lot of fun. They're going to suffer, you know, hair loss and all those sort of cosmetic things that are Secondary that are going to shit. all that are going to you know cause cause them you know to to, to stand out as a person with cancer. Yeah, and, yeah that's and, very true. And you know there are little signs around around the hospital there that say you know we'll, we'll offer you makeup. There are makeup for women and so forth, so they can you know yeah. sort of feel themselves again. But yeah. it, is, it is quite a powerful moment to walk in and see hundreds of people just sitting in big chairs, uh, all uh, having chemotherapy pumped into their veins. And what they did, what I did, was was basically accept medical science. Basically, you know, you're told lots of things when you get cancer, not by doctors, but from the sort of general public, friends and well wishes and what have you, you know, be positive and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. doesn't really work that way. What not you have quite. to really do is be positive that the people who are, who are helping you, the medical, the medically trained people, uh, you have to be positive that they're the people who are going to going to cure you. You know, oh, totally. That there yeah. is that there are no other cures. I mean, I was never encouraged to to look at any alternate therapies. Prior to my first surgery, I was encouraged to get fit, 
and prepare mentally and physically for the surgery. Yeah. And, and I sort of did that. So that's all sensible stuff, proper that's diet, exercise, yeah. all that sort of stuff. That's yeah. not, that's different from saying, you know, we have in diets yeah. that will remove your cancer. But, yeah. at the, but at the same time, you know, while, you know, thousands and thousands of people every year like me who are diagnosed with cancer put their faith in medical science, put their faith in knowledge and rationality, at the same time, you know that there's a, a vulnerable group. Well, everyone's vulnerable, right? Yeah, so, I would be. So, so, so some people are going to look at alternate methods. And and if, I guess if you're doing it in conjunction with, with the advice of medical health professionals, there's no great drama to it. And they say, well, like, yeah. you know, if you're just eating activated almonds and who cares, who cares about yeah. them, you're just going to shit them out. They're just expensive. They're just, yeah. you know, you just you got very very expensive shit. Is yeah. all is all it means. Yeah. And you, and and your medicos say, well, no big deal, you know. But yeah. if, if you are undertaking these alternate therapies, in the absence of medical treatment, in the answer, in the absence of, in the absence of chemo or radio or surgery, yeah, you basically anyone who does that is probably going to die. I mean, I mean, it, like. If you didn't get the medical treatment that you got, and you decided to eat bloody almonds and uh, and apricot well, kernels, I would be dead. You'd be dead. I would have. I would have been. How dead? On a scale of one to dead. I would have been dead last year from the from the yeah. f- from the first diagnosis. I, I asked them how long how long have I got if I do nothing, and they said about five years. And and it's yeah. deeply unpleasant. That's the other thing. You know, it's not as if you just you know you just fall asleep one day and you don't wake up. Yeah, you, you're going through a lot of pain. An unnecessary pain if you're ignoring medical medical advice and pain in your dick too. Ugh. Well, I mean, yeah, in my case, my dick. But you've literally got in in any case, you've got literally the of, of metastasized tumors bursting yeah. their way through this through your skin, um, oh. <clears throat> taking over most of your body, and all of this is largely unnecessary. I mean, some some people unfortunately either have been diagnosed late uh, um, or don't respond to treatment. But yeah. the the and that all depends on the ferocity of the the tumours, the gradation of those tumours. We're very lucky to place. have the world class treatment we have as well. I mean, like the idea yeah. that you can have bloody bovine tuberculosis pumped up you and then have your bloody bowel turned into a bladder. Are you fucking serious? Like <laughs> it's what lunatic came up with that and then went, I'm going to go and do this and then got through all the stages and now you can just rock up and be like, oh yeah, I might turn my butt into a bladder. Thanks, mate. <laughs> what the fuck? It's just amazing. It's, it's a amazing. Lot, it's a lot easier than transplants because it's your own, it's your own tissue. There's no prospect of rejection. Uh, and it's really is, you know, when in, in my case, what we're, what we're broadly talking about is uh, urological um, um, uh, detours, um, and, and and creating that means using bits and pieces. So in my stoma, which is about two inches to the right of my belly button, uh, my appendix has been taken out. I still have my appendix in my late fifties, and basically that's. That's used as a valve, so that's sewn into the in, inside into the stoma, so that the, so, so it doesn't leak. So I can walk around with this tiny little hole, and it looks a bit like a bruise if you saw it from a distance. And there's no real hole. I mean, the hole has to be sort of 
created, poked into the into the skin every time you use a catheter. Um, you just see it's more like a. Oh, it hurts a little bit. It hurts. It hurts for about three or four seconds, and then it doesn't. You and, get used to that, and you, you sort of get used to it. You just take a few deep breaths and do it. But yeah, I mean, look, the alternatives are a lot different. So I never, yeah. I never actually felt the need to explore any of these things. My father had died from cancer that was almost certainly skin cancer. They never quite got the um, what, where the primary tumour came, came from, but it yep. was almost certainly skin cancer, and then that spread throughout his body, and it killed him at uh, 59. So, um, you know, and he look, th- this was years ago. It was nearly 30 years ago, and, and chemo and radio, and not, again, he only had one dose of chemo. It didn't work, so he went home and, and died on yeah, his own yeah. about a month later. Um, but uh, nowadays the, the oncological science is, is so... Um, so highly developed. Yeah, it, it's it's not perfect. I mean, it's it's not no. a not a pan, not a universal panacea, uh, and we're a long way away from a, from a cure for cancer. But if you have tumours growing in your body that shouldn't be there, um, I guarantee you that eating almonds and so forth is not going to help. Um, no. And I understood it might, that. It might help, but it's not going to get you there. It won't hurt. I mean, look, some of these things won't hurt, but if, but if you are deciding, and people decide to ignore medical advice at that yep. time, they are going to die. There is, well, Steve Jobs did it. Steve Jobs died and he yeah. just went, you know what? I trust my buddy, you know, my uh, my yogis more than I trust doctors. Yeah. He could have afforded the best medical treatment in the world and the asshole just drank a few more fruit juices and died. That's all he did. Yeah. And, and now he is dead and he would – okay, I don't know to say this conclusively. There is a lot of blank, but I've heard – that if he just followed medical advice, he would have at least had a chance of survival. Well, that's just the point. And and look, we can't sort of statistically, we can't point to statistics on this, but we do know that there are that anyone diagnosed with a cancer is is feeling especially vulnerable. Absolutely, is, is looking at a at a process of treatments that might involve chemotherapy or radiotherapy, and in uh, the states, be very it, expensive as well. Well, obviously, cost is a factor most, over there. Most definitely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, you know, just it would bankrupt most most people who didn't have insurance. But eating apricot seeds is way <laughs> cheaper if you're in the states. You know. Yeah, that's right. So when you're vulnerable, you're going to listen to these sorts of things, or you might listen to these sorts of things. And if they are taking the place of medical treatments, it, it almost certainly will kill you. The the once you have tumors growing in your body, there's only certain number of ways that they will disappear and yep. one of those is one of those is by surgery quite obviously secondly yep. is by chemical treatment or chemotherapy to reduce yep. the size of those cancers if not kill them all and some of the and, and some of the more advanced medicine now is is in um, immunologics like yeah, yeah I- immunotherapy yep. and, and and that is probably the pathway to uh, to 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 uh, cancer treatments in the future. Yeah. And, like, you know, like you get surgery done, you get the tumors cut out, and then you have the choice of doing chemo to try and stop them from coming back. Now, this is the kind of thing where when you're in some sort of remission and you want it to stay away, then there's a lot of options to you, and a lot of them are really shitty. Now, I've seen grifters online who have made an absolute career out of being a bloody walking testimony for the fact that they had their cancer removed mm. and they took a bunch of supplements and it never came back. Now, that cancer may never have come back anyway. either way. Regardless, yeah. but the thing they don't talk a lot about 
is the role of medical uh, sci- you know, science cutting these tumors out and saving their lives. It's all about the supplements. It's all about the shit they can sell you on their fucking e-store and very little about the fact that the guy would be dead if he hadn't been hacked open by a professional. It, he would just be objectively dead. And that's the thing these guys never highlight is the fact that the only way these shitty fucking, you know, supplements and things like that can even have a role as questionable as it may be uh, is if someone gets a knife out or yeah. does something. Yeah, that's right. So, so, and so it, it they don't talk well, about it. It may well be a response to chemotherapy. So the chemotherapy has worked to a point. What, what, what happens when you're diagnosed with cancer is you have to be cancer-free for five years before you go into remission. So it's a long wow. time before you're, considered, before you're considered in remission. And I only know this because if it came down to getting travel insurance, for example, I can't get travel insurance because I've been diagnosed Well, I was diagnosed, um, you know, sort of a year and a half ago, re-diagnosed. Yeah. So no travel no travel insurance for me. Um, well, I could get some, but, you know, if I ever had to claim on it, they go, well, you do have, yeah, you yeah. Do have that. So, so, you know, we'd, we'd get Government should take that role. That's a whole other story, but government should take that role. So you've got a very long time with this, you know, five years is kind of the minimum, obviously. And yeah. and and, and uh, so you've got a very long time to be thinking about this. And it, yep. can, and it can get pretty grim. And, and, and you know when there are people out there and you've got a few names that uh, you'd like to throw in. Oh, I'm yeah. fucking holding that in. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's the lowest form. It's the lowest form of con artistry, isn't it? You know, I mean, these motherfuckers should be hung in the streets and yeah. shown for other fucking dickheads that you don't do this. You do mm. not take your narcissistic cult leader personality and inflict it upon people who are vulnerable, so mm. they think you're a fucking medical god. I tell you what they don't talk about. They don't talk about all the ones that stop fucking emailing them after a while. I tell you what, they exist. You've got these fuckheads, the truth about cancer. These people are disgusting. This former fucking accountant and bodybuilder, his name's Ty Bollinger, which is the most like greasy American name I can think of. Mm. And like, he's just this fuckhead who charges people a fortune to access these like just archives of complete crap about various herbs and spices that are going to save your life. He's got, he even has like uh, different categories of treatment, which, you know, there's a cheap one and a more expensive one and like a premium one. Like he's like packaging according to price and basically saying, you know, if you can afford the primo one, you've got a really good chance of living, but Hey, don't (laughs) worry. If you can't afford a lot, I've got, I'll take your money as well. (laughs) Fuck you. And it's, you can pay less, and you'll have less chance of surviving. And he's um, so like so blatant about it. I just that is oh, just you know that just, is that is that is hyper capitalism at at its absolute worst, isn't it? Just you the know? worst grifters, and like people like David Avocado Wolf. Who, yes, he's another one. <laughs> Someone said on Facebook that he's actually a bit of a sex pest. She went to one of his bloody like wellness things when she was vulnerable with a cancer and he was giving him all sorts of bloody treatments and things like that. And she went up and said hello and he asked for a number and she was like in her like early twenties. And he like he just continually harassed her trying to get to oh get laid. Lord. What a piece of shit. He's such a fucking scumbag. And his sales tactics and the way that he monetizes his, uh, you know, sort of like uh, his sort of like God complex is mm. incredible. And he writes the most outrageous shit about supplements that are completely unfounded and then sells the supplements. And if you do that separately, if you write on the supplement this, cra- this 
this uh, this will you know cure your cancer you'll get in deep shit with the fda over there if you write a book about how a certain herb will cure your cancer with no truth in it whatsoever and then yeah. you sell that supplement new york times bestseller no problem yeah yeah, problem yeah. Solved. look and, and as you say the, the situation is compounded by the fact that the public health system and that user pays awful system in the united states prevails and yeah and, and that you know, people looking at cancer treatments are staring down the barrel of hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs if they're uninsured. Yeah. That's very so, difficult. So that's 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 where you've got you know, at least in this country we have a uh, a, a good medical public health system, top tier, uh, good treatment for free. Yeah, top tier, and it really is. And, and having been through it a few times, um, I can actually speak to that. And yeah. so you know, there. there Within that, within those circumstances, there is a sort of discouragement to to look at the grifters, but they're still going to exist because oh, they're always waiting. Because in the bushes. you're still staring down the barrel of of treatment that's yeah. that's that's difficult, you know. That's yeah, still- it's fucking awful. And the thing is, the public health system isn't sexy. Like you know, you've got these things where David Avocado <laughs> Wolf is there going, "Oh my god, be a part of our cult." People like Ty Bollinger is a fucking bodybuilder and is like, yeah, we're going to beat cancer because we know the truth. We know the truth that the public health system won't tell you. And then you have the public health system with a pamphlet going, oh, here's here's the treatment um, and it's a bit rough, but, you know, nothing sexy about that. Like no. People love marketing and people who say they don't like marketing are the ones who probably like it the fucking most. Like <laughs> you're just so gullible to this sort of shit when it's in a fancy package. And these guys spend most of their time not researching what fucking apricot kernels do, but making it look really sexy. And that's their job. And they are grifters. They are marketing grifters. Terrible, terrible. It's it's the worst kind of grift, of course, isn't it? Look, just just to explain what cancer is, cancer is, is basically you know, a, a cellular fuck up, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's basically an abnormal cellular growth, and then there's more of them, and then there's more of them, and then there's more of them. You know, they, they become visible. Dogs can't yeah. smell them, by the way, or if they do, or if they can, <laughs> they have very good sense of smell. If a dog can smell a cancer, it's not as if it's going to go. Roo, 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 roo. <laughs> yeah. I've seen those stories and those yeah, YouTube clips and stuff. Yeah. And they just sound like such bullshit. I mean, look, what if a dog does fucking sniff your cancer? What? You're it, like, oh, thanks, Fido, for reminding me I'm going to die. Probably wants to eat it. And <laughs> so, so yeah, so we have this, we have this situation, and and it is where grifters are going to grift, isn't it? You know, but we're, yeah. we're, we're, where people are extremely vulnerable and looking yeah. at potentially the loss of their lives. So, yep. so, so, what better grift to pull, and what Absolutely. better way to pay to to to, to um, part people from their money in fairly large amounts, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, Truth we about talk- cancer charges a lot a lot of money for people to find out their little fucking secrets. Yeah, yeah. And and look, we've also got Evans as well. Evans is Evans has is, is actually publicly said that he you know that his dietary treatments and so forth have cured cancer. Sometimes he'll add, oh, with you know, in combination with, you know, uh, medic accepted medical treatments. Yeah, which but is the, something I'm okay with. Which is so look, I, I don't once people get diagnosed with cancer, I don't really have a problem with what they do as long as they follow their treatments you know um because if you don't you're going to die you know if you get if you cancer if you got cancer of the prostate and you're 98 well you know i suppose that's that maybe you don't really want to have treatment because it's all a bit 
And that's fair enough. And that's fair enough too. They were like Pete Evans though. Like he says in combination with like, you know, traditional medical, like, you know, medical treatments. But Mm. then in the next breath, he will say how, you know, chemo is poison and doctors can't be trusted. And you're sort of sitting there thinking, okay, so did you say that you're going to eat keto to stave off cancer and Mm. that's in combination with, uh, you know, uh, your, your doctor's advice. Do you mean that? Is that are you just saying that as a disclaimer to stay out of trouble? And I don't think he means it, but that's just opinion. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not on his head, but I don't think he means it. And I, I genuinely don't know because I think Pete does believe his own bullshit. I genuinely don't know what he would do if he got that uh, that diagnosis. Well, yeah, it it it, uh, it would be extremely interesting to see. And of course, we don't wish cancer on people, but no, even even, even Pete Evans, but, even Pete Evans, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but 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 um, uh, this is the the wellness grift writ large. You know, this is this is kind of where the wellness community sort of turned from becoming harmless wackos to be extremely dangerous people, where yeah. where those people have have dismissed medical science. Discourage people from receiving proper treatment, yep, uh, and then seek to you know basically make financial gain out of someone else's misery. I mean, it's as low as it yep. gets, isn't it? And this is, of course, bled into the COVID thing, where like you know, yeah. recently I saw a video of a guy who was saying, "I'm going to take my dad home. I'm going to take my dad home. We have a ventilator, which I don't believe, and." We're going to put him on something like ivermectin, vitamin C, D, and zinc or something. There was a combination of shit he was going to give him. Mm. It was all the red pill talking points. And basically, this doctor had to say, if you move your father, he will die. He, will he die. cannot be taken off this ventilator. And he just keeps on reeling off all these internet talking points. And the thing that's insane about this mm. is that that guy who became peeled from these uh, clips, let's say he's watched a 1,000 YouTube clips. He mm. has probably given about an aggregate total of about $50 in advertising revenue to grifters. There yes. are millions of these people. And for the, for, the, for, the, for the gain of a few cents of a, of a click, people are happy to convince people of terrible ideas that might kill their loved ones. And some people said, quite rightly, that maybe he's actually just putting this on to, uh, you know, to get the payout early, maybe get his inheritance before the... Uh, <laughs> not have to no, wait around for it. I mean, legally, legally, you could make a very good argument for manslaughter, and um, and perhaps that's something that you know that should be looked at in that case. Uh, one of the other things that I'd like to mention is that sometimes, as good a public health system as we've got in this country, one of the things that that you might say of medical science is that they don't always communicate very well. I've been very lucky. I, the, the, the person that I see is a professor of urology. He's, he's a, an urbane and, and uh, 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 brilliant communicator, sometimes yeah. very busy man. I, I mean, yeah. when, when people do see specialists, um, sometimes due to the nature of their work, they've only got two, three minutes with you. They yeah, you don't really explain don't get a lot of time. Well. And, then, yeah. and then, of course, you come across, you know, a site that says, you know, I can cure your cancer and here's why and there'll be pages and pages of stuff, right? Or, yeah. or, or junk, but, but yeah. at least there's an explanation there. And so but that's compelling a, junk. So that's another, that's another thing medical science needs to be better at, just that communication. Yeah. And, I think so. And the and, marketing. It really is hard, but, yeah. you know, because you, the thing is, is medical misinformation very quickly turns into a cult. 
And yes. in situations like that, how are you supposed to fight some kind of cult-like hierarchy of bringing people in, accepting them, clapping for them when they speak and all that sort of shit, as opposed to walking into a, you know, like a cold room, taking a number and sitting down and playing with your phone until you see a specialist who makes you wait 15 more minutes and then comes in, looks at your chart, says five minutes worth of stuff tops and then kicks you tops, out. Tops, tops, yeah. And that, That's and, just and, not and, sexy. It, well, it's 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 definitely not sexy, and, and it shouldn't and it have can, to be. And it can leave people confused. They walk away, think, "Oh God, I should have asked that, and I shouldn't have." And, yeah, and, that's you know, it. Yeah, and then then they go back to Doctor Google, and then and then they might go from Doctor Google to somewhere else. That's you know, that, totally. where, where they at least feel that they're you know that 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 they have some sort of knowledge base. And that's the thing. I mean, doctors aren't doctors aren't marketers. You know, they're just not. No, they're just and they not shouldn't have do to that. be. And they, yeah, they shouldn't have to be. But perhaps there needs to be some sort of communication um, uh, training that's offered well, to specialists that can. In this if climate, yeah. If they've only got three minutes, then use that three minutes. Use that yeah. three minutes. Uh, or have some sort of supplementary service that you can get, you know, this sort of, sure, you know, yeah. YouTube videos for, for, you know, for public health. I mean, maybe that's a solution where you can have, you know, but they probably do and they probably suck. Like, it's just so hard. It is. It is. It is and, really hard. And, and, and basically, you know, it's just, you know, you do get the sense in the public health system that you and they are all in sort of, you know, all, all sort of in different parts of one great big wheel. That, yeah. that pushes things along, and 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 you're part of a process, and and yeah. they'll follow that process with you, and and look, yeah, if you're in that position, go armed with questions, right? Go armed with yeah, questions. Yeah, make a list, maybe. Don't, be, I mean, don't 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 pull any Doctor Google shit. For God's sake, doctors hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's say, right. look, if I'm feeling like this, why? Why am I feeling like this? Why am I? Is there any support services? Maybe there's some counselling services that you can attend to. All that sort of stuff, because it is a great yeah. shock. It's a great shock to to all your you know to your family and friends when it does happen, and and. Um, and then you've got a whole welter of people who stand around you and urge you to be positive, which is really nice in its way, but it's kind of pointless. It is a little bit pointless, yeah. But it, it, Well, we've been very lucky to not have to really worry too much about uh, COVID in, in, in the country. We have, and I'm not discounting those who... Who you know had an issue? Yeah, but or uh, died, I, I guess I guess what you I guess what you're talking about is European or or American type oh, situation. Absolutely, like if we were in and a situation we where we got a COVID diagnosis and then you know sort of went home, scurried home, and stayed locked up in a room and you know drank some soup and sat, and then you got to the point where you started really not breathing well and thinking, "Fuck, maybe this has got to go to hospital." Mm. And you know, and you've been listening to Craig Kelly, and you've been listening to Pete Evans, and you've been listening to fucking David Avocado Wolf. And they won't give you the hydroxychloroquine. They won't give you the ivermectin. They won't give you vitamin D. You know, you're not getting sunlight and you are freaking the fuck out because all of a sudden, all this stuff that you've heard online, which has been perpetuated through not only like a ridiculous content manufacturing machine, but also a political machine, which mm. is the Trump's and various right-wing organizations that have equated this medical advice of you should take hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin with party affiliation and general, like, you know, sort of political yeah. identity. And it's almost <laughs> like you go in there and they ask you who you'd vote for and that's the fucking treatment they give you. Oh, are you a Trump voter? Okay, cool. We'll give you hydroxychloroquine. Like, I yeah, mean, it would but, make more sense. But we've talked about this in, in, in other episodes. So so the wellness community, it basically, we, we know they're gullible. We know they challenge 
orthodoxy. And that, and so that makes that group vulnerable to um, extremist, extremist sort of propaganda. Yeah. Uh, and that's why when you wonder why did hydro- how did hydroxychloroquine become part of the argument, become part of the treatment? And there were, you know, there were there were so many media types who were pushing this stuff around. Why would you do it? Why wouldn't you do it? And and. And and it's, where does this all come from? And it and it generated essentially from political propaganda. Yeah, uh, it really did. Hard right stuff. It did because you know you sort of, it sort of leech across into our media here. You see people like Craig Kelly pushing it about. Um, uh, it, it's no surprise. I mean, uh, look, if it worked, it would be a miracle. It's no surprise. It's an anti-malarial drug. Now it's not designed. Malaria is, is caused by a parasite. It's not designed to kill the parasite. It's actually designed to manage fever. Yeah. So, okay. so there, may, you know, there may be some instances where it, it coincides with someone suffering from a fever. But essentially, what they have with with COVID, the really dangerous stuff, is respiratory problems. Yeah. Um, so it would be highly unusual for it if it, if it was to work. I mean, as, as the anti-malarial has been around for well almost a hundred years. The other one, the the anti-parasitic, um, that's you know that's used in the treatment of head lice. I mean, yeah. uh, it's used in, in vet, it has veterinary uses as well. I mean, the whole idea that you know those two drugs together can form some miracle cure is kind of bizarre. If it does, well, then let's subject it to a clinical trial and let's check the results with people who are qualified to to analyse those clinical trials and talk about them. What Kelly was actually proposing is that this is that those two drugs, what's the second one, Joel? Ivermectin. Ivermectin and, yeah. and hydroxychloroquine, if taken in combination, would not necessitate, it should be used instead of a vaccine. Yeah. Kelly, and, and there's another one there, an LMP senator, Jared Rennick, they're both saying that they won't, they won't, oh, they'll have to consider their position and can do yeah. all the, do all the fact finding and so forth before they take the vaccine. These are yeah. political leaders in the country, in the community. We've heard Hanson, she hasn't come quite out with the anti vaccine, but anyone who's followed One Nation, We'll see it basically as a home base for a lot of anti-vaxxers. Hanson's babbled about companies like Qantas, for example, who have said, you know, basically we don't want people on their flights who haven't received the vaccine. Which is one, a no-brainer. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's just basically risk management on behalf yeah. of, a, of a commercial uh, a commercial aviation company. So Hanson's sort of, you know, talking about, you know, free, you know, lack of freedom of movement or freedom of association or some some sort of nonsense like that. So here in our parliament, in our federal parliament, while we're trying, well, there are, you know, leaders for good or ill or, you know, sometimes they aren't perfect, but at least our political leaders are saying follow the science, follow the Follow the knowledge, follow the information, follow the immunologists, follow the virologists, follow the uh, epidemiologists. That's how we're making policy. We still in in our federal parliament have the place littered with idiots, um, yeah. idiot, I- idiots who who have who have drunk deeply from the um, 
from the extreme right wing. Um, Absolutely. Uh, cool. And the thing is, you can follow immunologists, you can follow virologists, you can follow the inventor of the PCR test, Carrie Mullins, and you can pull quotes that say that the PCR tests are complete bullshit. And no one mentions the fact that this guy went completely insane and denied the existence of AIDS. But, mm. you know, you can you can do exactly what Craig Kelly says and you can be listening to all these doctors and just cherry pick lunatics. Stella Emanuel, you know, she's a doctor. Great. And she thinks that <laughs> yeah. fucking, you know, demon sperm is a thing. Like, I mean, so this yeah. is the thing. You know, you can pick and choose your truth and you can pick and choose your experts, which makes it really difficult to say. It and does. this is something we're saying a lot in this episode. Mm. Follow the experts. Well, follow which experts? What, the ones that align with your sense of politics? The right wing yeah. or the left wing experts Look, now? it's like, difficult. But at, the, but at the same time, you know that in – in, you know, so in terms of scientific discovery, you, there, there are going, there's going to be, there's going to be debates. There's going to be, uh, yeah, arguments. it's not there's healthy go- debate though. It's partisan oh, well, debate, th- and that's weird. When when you've got so so Kelly keeps talking about this um, immunologist, uh, the University of Newcastle, the senior so, one, what the old one? Well, no, look, the one's about a million look, years old. Well, the, the, the university had to say, look, he's not one that we would get advice from. But he's an epi- oh, an immunologist, I think, and, and Kelly says he's one of the leading. Once in the country, but that yes, because he agrees with him. Well, no, the, the thing is, the immunologist doesn't agree with Kelly. The immunologist says, "Okay, I can see benefits coming from from hydroxychloroquine, etc." But he's not saying don't vaccinate. Yeah. So, th- so this is this is you know this is the wormhole that we're sort of moving down. When you've got people in your federal parliament who who are basically anti-vaxxers with, you know, with uh, with some provisos, um, yep. uh, you know, it's a terrible place for us to be. I mean, one thing that we can say is, is that COVID's touch on this country has been pretty light and that's yeah. essentially been driven by good public policy. Sometimes we could debate whether it was over the top. Sometimes we yeah. could, you know, we, we, we could debate whether, you know, border lockdowns were on too long or shouldn't have happened at all and those sorts of things. But over, but generally speaking, it's been pretty good. It's and, saved and it's, our ass. And it's been pretty good because, one, we're a great big stonking island continent and, and it's not easy for people to get in and out, particularly particularly with travel bans. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and two because our state administrators and our federal guys ha- have said okay what do the what do the specialists say what yeah. do the immunologists and epidemiologists say who were employed essentially by the Commonwealth what or, or by their states what are they saying and then we'll follow that advice yeah and that's how we've got to where we are now with less than a Less than a thousand deaths and and, a, and an infection rate, which is the envy of the world. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a thing. Like it's it's really quite frustrating to watch these you know sort of anti mask anti lockdown types. And it's like, have you not just realised you've just got to like slink away into the night at this point because it has worked? And mm. then it's like, oh well, all the deaths overseas are fake, or everything is fine, and blah blah blah. And it's like, no, just no. Like this is just getting fucking silly what's happened is at great expense to the country both financially psychologically and you know emotionally we have closed our borders to the world we have you know like stifled trade in several different ways but we have avoided something and in the grand scheme of things these two years of sacrifice 
will mean that we have people walking on the earth that would not be otherwise, mm. for starters, mm. and a whole generation of people who aren't plagued with chronic fatigue syndromes, who don't have recurring respiratory issues. This virus is a real dickhead. And mm. all the ridiculous fucking, oh, think positive. If you think negative about the virus, it just makes it what? What? No, no, no. Like, yeah. This thing has awful residual effects, and I'm really glad that I'm not a part of those statistics. I don't want to be on that Excel spreadsheet. I just fucking don't. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people too uh, will require dialysis for the for the rest of their lives, or go, go on to uh, go on to kidney transplant um, lists as well, because that's something COVID will also wipe out. Not not all time, but no, and, and of course, but when I, I are often asymptomatic, but those who suffer yeah. from it can have enduring. Respiratory problems, enduring cardiac problems, enduring yep. renal problems, uh, and, and serious ones. You know, it's just so, a shit of a virus. Yeah, look, it's a terrible bloody thing, and and we'll knock it over. But the only way we can knock it over is by listening to people who know what they're talking about. Absolutely. And, and Craig Kelly and Jared Rennick and Pauline Hanson, they don't know what they're talking about. So no. It's, that's it. I guess it's easy for people, you know, to to take that on board, but. There is a lot of misinformation. There's a lot Absolutely. of information out there. So I'll tell you it, what, one as, other source of information that doesn't know what they're talking about are fitness influencers. Yeah, there you go. They're, they're, they just do not know what they're talking about. I mean, they have got a group of people. I don't even think there's. Uh, I don't even think there's any sort of real training. I think there are. You know, there are sort of training for. You know. Oh, you do a tape pers- course on personal training. Yeah, yeah you, you know where the muscles are and how to fuck with them. Yeah, you know, that, that that that's you know basic three months sort of tape course or whatever. Nothing really. And they don't really give a fuck about it. And, it's- and and they will develop their own stupid theories based on. You know this wellness thing. So, so, yeah. so, the, so, so the wellness community getting getting into you know that oncological matter into cancer treatments and so forth is a sort of natural extension, and really horrible and egregious uh, sort of behaviour that seeks to profit from it. Yeah, and then obviously now we go bang with a pandemic as of last year, early last year anyway, and out these people come again. Yeah, COVID denial gets clicks, you know, like anything Mm. that basically says, you know, drink bleach and you'll be fine gets fucking clicks. People like looking at this stuff. This is like a, you know, it's a cult. You know, these people spend all of their time on the internet. So when it comes down to it, like, you know, you've got things like Plandemic that is just really an interview with a fucking grifter, but heavily amplified by people like Steve Bannon. This sort of thing was an intentional politicization of, uh, of, you know, like a medical issue. And then you have people on the coattails of that on Instagram who thrive on clicks and followers. And a follow account actually translates into money because that's how they get their sponsorships where they endorse products, which inevitably will be supplements that have spurious claims about curing COVID-19. This is money to them. So they see this happening. They get on board. And whether they believe their own bullshit or not, they spread medical misinformation, which damages people's chances of, uh, you know, sort of overcoming what is a generational challenge and a virus. And they do it so they can make fucking five cents a click on fucking, you know, vitamin D gummies. Fucking assholes. I really, really don't like Instagram influencers. I really don't like them after this past year. Yes, look, that's absolutely right. But that's enough about grifter hippies and snake oil salesmen because we need to focus on a higher breed of salesmen, not these Instagram grifters, but a real man, the only man that I would put in charge of my various business interests, which definitely exist, because there's only one Eric Trump and he's like a bastard bastard on on Father's Day. Day.
Uh, terrible news, listeners. It's what we all had hoped would not happen. Eric Trump has been impeached, not once or even twice like the Donald, but impeached many hundreds of times. Last week, we heard the devastating news that Eric, who is a good-looking boy, uh, despite having a foot fungus, the medical community has described as awful to look at and possibly terminal, was last seen rummaging through the bins at the White House, unaware that his dad, Love you, dad, dad, had moved on. In a remarkable feat of endurance that one day will make a straight-to-the-Hallmark Channel movie, Eric travelled the 1,041 miles on foot, sticking his nose in the air from time to time to catch the scent of one of his father's KFC double-down burger farts. As it turns out, Eric is more cadaverous-smelling dog than human being, and he turned up at Mar-a-Lago, South Palm Beach, Florida, naked, crying and bleeding from the scabs he picked off his groin. At once horrified and impressed that Eric had developed a homing instinct, the Trump family knew then they could not simply take Eric for a long drive before kicking him out of the strip mall in Jacksonville before speeding off. Mm. So after a brief discussion, the Trump family decided to impeach Eric on cooked-up charges that the great idea that Eric hadn't come up with, Trump store, hadn't sold so much as a pair of Trump shit catchers, pack of three, $450 posters and handling excluded. Bargain. Bargain, absolutely. Since the Donald got the arse all the way back in November. Allowed only 12 seconds to respond to the charges, Eric merely said, Love, Love you, Dad! You, Dad! But it wouldn't save Eric. The Ivanka and Jared Kushner block voted to impeach. Junior was doing a line at the back and abstained, while Kimberly Guilfoyle was giving hand relief to the Donald, who has been incredibly tense since the failed coup d'etat on January 6. The Donald signed an executive order restraining Eric from entering Mar-a-Lago unless Eric was caddying for him, in which case Eric was prohibited from sitting in the golf cart and certainly not allowed to drive the golf cart. After mm. that time, Eric caused a six-cart collision that killed 12 people and Mike Flynn had to be cut out with the jaws of life. Eric, who, who is a good-looking boy now, lives in the rough outside the third fairway and the only contact he has with his father is when his dad, love you, dad, love you, dad. tells him to pass a seven iron and shut the fuck up. But at least he's home now, Joel, where he belongs. Mm. But there's no more time for that because now it is time for this. A segment of the program, Caravanning Monthly, described as spacious on the inside with all the conveniences of home at your fingertips. Ooh. It's The Week in Pete Evans. <laughs> has been a huge week in Pete Evans with him once again making the headlines for aligning with shit people in a spectacular, (laughs) shameless kind of way. This time, it's his special guest on his, Uh. as it turns out, quite badly produced Evolve podcast. I was expecting a lot more from this. And to be honest, it was a little bit of a fizzer. Disappointing. Mm. A huge part of the conditional release program is that we cater to people who are interested in fringe politics, but don't want to walk in the mangroves of actual fringe politics. That's right. Because it is a truly dirty business and it takes a certain type of masochist Mm. to enjoy it. You are the kind of people that find success in life and have families that love them. 
I, on the other hand, get a deep satisfaction from watching Wingnuts and Lunatics unfold in public, and it is hard fucking work. So without further ado, here's a summary of the Craig Kelly interview. Went for about 76 minutes, and that is time I am never getting back. So at first it goes like this. Basically, Kelly flogs on about his time in Parliament. Oh, it's such an honour. He comes across as kind of sane and reasonable, like a backbencher who represents his constituents. And he talks about robust debate and actually gives some interesting insights into life in Parliament House as a politician. For those who've never really been a part of that, and I was hoping he'd mention the famous Aussies Cafe at some point, but I don't mm. think anyone ever actually invited him down there. <laughs> so he probably just got a takeaway and went back to his fucking office. But robust debate really does stick in this whole thing. He really yes. talks about it a lot. Apparently, you have to debate your case, which is funny because he says this almost like he listens to people. And uh, <laughs> yeah, not quite. So Pete gets bored of all this politics is just for nerds and steers him toward coronavirus it's of course just the debate so this leads him down the hydroxychloroquine rabbit hole which for him is very deep he just reels off a bunch of pill doctors we've all heard of before bullshit stage studies claims they're all peer-reviewed when they're actually preprints i don't think he knows the difference he relies so heavily on the idea they're peer-reviewed i don't did he ever actually check that they were anyway so it's easy to check by the way it is very it's easy, quite to easy. Check. yeah <laughs> very, i mean very fuck. easy to check unless your source of information is YouTube, which makes it really tricky because you're like, oh, can you say that again? So it basically parrots a bunch of red pill talking points about, you know, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Uh, And I just love this bit though, because here we have Pete Evans, who from what I've seen, believes that COVID is actually a hoax, a common cold that's been used to drum up fear and instill control in the populace. So he's sitting there (laughs) while Kelly's venting about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are effective and would save lives. And Pete Evans has to sit there and just sort of like be okay with the idea that, like, you know, that coronavirus actually kills people because Pete doesn't believe that. So, but he's good like that because he's an opportunistic grifter. He's not the kind of guy who's going to jump in there and interrupt and challenge an idea because, you know, that means you'd have to think. And that's really difficult. That's why he has these guests on and has these pre-scripted questions. He really doesn't do any heavy lifting in these these podcasts. He fucking sucks as an interviewer. The only reason reason he has someone like Kelly on is because he knows people are going to go and watch it. You know, know, that appalled people, (laughs) political journalists in Canberra are going to go watch it. There's just all of a sudden there's going to be a big turn it that's the whole thing yeah. he doesn't agree with kelly i mean yeah. he, he he thinks he thinks the, we're living with a pandemic yeah yeah and also he probably thinks that kelly is a reptile so you know there's that i mean he's in the government right you know it does, ah. it does look a so, little bit reptilian Craig, yeah. doesn't he you know more like a hedgehog i find well, like a cartoon hedgehog triceratops got- i was gonna go yeah with, you know? yeah i like it it's good he did, so, he did have a punch up with one sorry yes but go on yeah it wouldn't surprise me yeah he probably he probably won too terrifying bastard (laughs) so unsurprisingly everything is the fault of the media it's not like the Australian or the Telegraph or the Sydney Morning Herald or even the ABC but the media so Mm. as we go through it we find out they're basically talking about the ABC because like if they mention the media, but it's not the ABC, they sort of mention that the the media. Oh, but not the ABC. It's like, oh, okay. I <laughs> so see. when are the yeah, good cool. things? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So whenever someone says the media, it's an instant red flag. What is the media? Like, <laughs> do they hold meetings in dark, smoky rooms to set out a narrative to brainwash the masses? Well, they do. We don't. But we don't. Well, I mean, prove it, yeah? (laughs) I I heard it on a podcast, so fuck you. (laughs) These people, like, it's so weird because politicians know journalists. Like, Pete Evans has probably never met a journalist in his fucking life. Not a real one, no. You know, Craig Kelly, he deals with these people, it's just weird. Anyway, 
So for both of them, they're, of course, outspoken martyrs. And the media has tried to pull them down, but their bravery persists. <laughs> and they've lost and sacrificed for their cause. Pete Evans lost his job. Craig Keller's about to lose his fucking seat. And this is just so they can spread bullshit to gullible people and get some sort of hero complex about being a fucking woke outsider. Mm. But they do, regardless of all they've lost, persist on their noble cause of pilling people. How brilliant! Would you like a fucking medal? Maybe made of like, I don't know, fucking cyanide? So I mentioned robust debate at the start of this, and this comes up a lot. And of course, the whole fabled free speech. I can't help but to find it a little bit fucking jarring to be lectured on robust debate and free speech by two people who are famous for deleting comments and blocking posters from their social media accounts. Mm. Seriously, like big tech might be censoring you, but you guys also seem to be doing your own fucking heavy lifting in that department, having probably got staff employed to delete dissenting opinions on your social media to protect your fragile, narcissistic egos. It's not a huge shock horror that these guys are fucking hypocritical dickheads and would say one thing and mean another, but this really needs to be hammered home. And I think it's something he should be really held to account at the moment because fuck you, do not, do not lecture me on free speech, you hypocritical piece of triceratopian shit. Now, (laughs) <laughs> the other thing that he likes to fucking rattle on about in the podcast are health bureaucrats, but only the ones he disagrees with because he's more than happy to talk about his health bureaucrats, the ones that agree with Trumpian research appointed by fucking dead shits in America to make some sort of weird claims. Most of them, of course, are just a bunch of hacks. And he does bring up their salaries, though. This is probably the one thing I did agree with. They are paid an insane amount of money. It's, it's not an insane amount of money. That's, that's, just top, that's just top-end public it's service like, money. It's, it's, uh, one thing he says, and this is quite valid, is that our bureaucrats in, like, in mid-level sections get paid more than Fauci. And that is, that is, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like, you know, it's half a million bucks. But this is great because then he goes on this weird fucking right-wing tangent about how public service salaries are stifling innovation, mostly because he's an idiot who is out of touch with reality. But like, it's that thing of like, you know, oh, well, people are just going to give up and go to the fucking public sector. I tell you what, maybe you should have done that a little bit earlier before you ruined the fucking furniture business. What do you (laughs) innovate? What about the private sector do you make better? Like, I'm sorry, you're fucking lucky to be on an MP salary. You are lucky to be on a salary, you unemployable fuck. Elected in 2010, Craig Kelly uh, came from, he, he was a part of the family furniture business. And uh, not long before he entered the parliament, that furniture business closed its doors, mm. leaving creditors and employees with debts of $4 million. Um, where there was uh, some... Uh, uh, Russians about this in the parliament uh, when when Kelly first arrived, that there was concern that he he and his brother had may have acted as de facto um, uh, de facto directors, in which case they would have become uh, potentially liable for the four million dollars in debt. Um, uh, but this was argued away and ultimately accepted. Certainly, you would have to say Kelly, whose family had been in the business of uh, importing mainly flat pack type furniture and then on selling it to companies like Harvey Norman and yeah those sorts of places big retail outlets and uh, and then came a cropper yeah so you could say that you know for all for all Kelly's expertise on on uh, on 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 health and the pandemic he wasn't so bloody good with the furniture sales. Yeah, well, you know, at least he's getting being taken care of because I would otherwise have worried. Now. 
The next part of the pod is where Pete makes this great point that I fucking love, that he doesn't look for conspiracy theories. And he wants to believe in the good of people and their actions and all that sort of bullshit. <laughs> that is such nonsense. <laughs> I've never seen someone's eyes light up the way he does when he thinks about the fucking cabal that runs the world and yeah. all that sort of shit. He gets fucking bonus when he talks about reptile people and without it, his life will be fucking soulless. So... I'm not buying it, Pete. You do look for conspiracy theories. You look under the couch for conspiracy theories. You find them in places they don't exist. Mm. So this is great because they wind up ending the podcast on this big circle jerk about the importance of free speech, which <laughs> made me fucking cringe in my car because honestly, you don't believe in the concept. <laughs> you do them. not practice what you preach. <laughs> That's you right. Fucking of them, dude. Mm. Shithead liars. God, oh, man, it's so fucking painful. So, and then the end, it's great. So... A voiceover comes across, and I think this is probably on every episode. I've only listened to one of them. Oh, so badly produced. It's just not worth it. And explaining that nothing in the podcast is a substitute for professional advice <laughs> and that the opinions are not Pete's, et cetera, et cetera. Essentially yeah. washing its hands of any liability from the fuck-nutted people he has on his podcast, like Dr. Zach Bush, who thinks that germs don't exist. Like, you know, AIDS <laughs> deniers, David Icke, Holocaust deniers, all these fucking scumbags. But I'm not convinced this is hold up well in court because – he publishes these under his Evolve banner and publishers are liable for things that are yeah. said on their medium. Yeah, don't it doesn't know that matter that, about disclaimers. Yeah. Don't know that that disclaimer is going to be much job. No. So we're not sure, but if any defamation lawyers want to clear that one up for us, send mm, us an email please. and the best answer gets our business to defend our first defamation case. I tell you what, there's money in it. <laughs> well, there's work. There's work about money, there's but there's work. work. Uh, there's work, yes. We will pay you in twisties and fucking Craig <laughs> Kelly podcasts. You have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, and if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We've set up a Facebook page which you can find pretty easily if you search for it. But I have to say, if you've made it this far, promoting a podcast is easier said than done. If you share your own podcast on pages, people think you're a fucking prat. So if you could share this for us, yes, share please. it to your friends. If you thought this episode sucked, maybe do another one. You know, like people like <laughs> incels, share that or just share everything. Just we would be really grateful if you did it. Yes, we would. And finally, all feedback, tips and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if you're Craig Kelly, demanding that we stop recording podcasts that make him look like a tormented child who's pissed his pants in the sandpit. Thank you, listeners. See you next week. Cheers, guys. See you then.